Welcome to the Parkcast series, episode 41, Trauma and Substance Misuse in Adolescence, Weaving a Web. The Parkcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast provides grounding knowledge on trauma psychopathology and substance misuse in adolescents. Considerations for treatment, including a discussion on interventions, are included. Introduction to Substance Use and Trauma, Weaving a Web The term trauma is used in a wide variety of ways across practice and research contexts to describe the experience of adverse events that can occur throughout the life course of an individual. As a result of traumatic events, Some people experience negative, long-term behavioral, emotional, and even physical symptomology that develops in response to an inability to cope with a traumatic event in a healthy way. This response is what is commonly referred to as post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, and can include an array of trauma symptoms, including intrusive trauma-related thoughts, re-experiencing a traumatic event, emotional disassociation, or numbing, hyperarousal, and avoidance. It is important to note that although a child may not meet the clinical criteria for a PTSD diagnosis, a series of symptoms related to PTSD may still occur. For a more complete list of trauma symptomology and a fulsome definition of post-traumatic stress disorder, please refer to the particle on trauma in children and adolescents. Similar to other chronic mental health problems, Individuals may engage in a variety of adaptive and maladaptive responses in an effort to reduce unwanted PTSD symptoms. The intoxicating effects of substances may help to quell trauma symptoms. As a result, some adolescents engage in substance misuse to achieve symptomatic relief. Indeed, the experience of trauma itself is not what triggers substance misuse. Rather, it is the long-term stress resulting from an event that will perpetuate risky substance use behavior. This model is explained more thoroughly in the section of this podcast entitled Trauma Psychopathology. Substance misuse and PTSD symptomology varies across populations and may present differently for children and adolescents involved in child welfare. For example, child welfare involvement may be a protective factor if a child is living in out-of-home care as the placement may be preventing maltreatment and therefore reducing further traumatization. Conversely, the experience of aging out of the system and multiple disruptions of important familial relationships throughout childhood can also cause stress and exacerbate PTSD symptoms. Practitioners must be mindful of the ways in which the child welfare system can interfere with and or promote healthy outcomes when a history of trauma and substance misuse is present. Research on the area of trauma and substance abuse in adolescents is sizable, but studies using a child welfare-specific sample are lacking. This literature review uses research from both within and outside of child welfare, drawing on the dearth of knowledge relating to the issue. Outcomes related to PTSD and substance misuse in adolescents. As explained in the introduction, the relationship between PTSD and substance abuse is both intricate and mutually rewarding. Literature and empirical studies generally purport an association between trauma, PTSD, and substance misuse in adolescents. However, this relationship begs further investigation in terms of understanding specific predictors, behaviors, and symptoms related to PTSD and substance abuse. 
researchers have further helped to closely link PTSD to substance use in adolescents by measuring for the presence of moderators in the relationship, including parental substance misuse and adolescent behavioral disorders. Such variables have been shown to not have an effect on the relationship between PTSD symptoms and substance misuse in adolescents. Methods matter. A moderator is something that affects the strength of an association between two objects or variables, such as behaviors, emotional states, or services received, that are being studied. For example, the relationship between taking swimming lessons and learning to swim is strengthened when two or more lessons per week are provided. The moderator in this case is the amount of swimming lessons per week. When measuring prevalence of comorbid, that is, occurring at the same time, PTSD symptoms, and substance use in at-risk adolescent populations, the numbers are startling. Estimates for adolescents receiving substance misuse services in the U.S. report that between 20 and 54 percent meet the clinical severity cutoff for post-traumatic stress disorder, and as many as 60 to 87 percent will report sexual or physical victimization. Conversely, Williams and colleagues in 2008 found that adolescents with PTSD are four to eight times more likely to have received a diagnosis of alcohol and or other drug dependence. It has been found that higher rates of trauma are related to higher rates of substance use in adolescents, and that youth who report PTSD symptoms also report earlier onset substance use. Furthermore, youth with comorbid PTSD symptoms and substance use are more likely to experience ongoing and multiple traumatic events. Finally, co-occurring PTSD and substance misuse in adolescent populations are related to a host of mental health and behavioral risk factors, including depression, higher internalizing and externalizing scores, conduct disorder, as well as adverse social outcomes, such as school underachievement and involvement with crime and violence. Maltreatment-related outcomes. Many studies on trauma psychopathology use maltreatment as a measure of trauma. Types of maltreatment in childhood, such as neglect, physical and sexual abuse, and witnessing violence, form different experiences of trauma, which must be accounted for when examining substance misuse in adolescents. A history of maltreatment is strongly associated with PTSD and higher levels of substance misuse in the literature, as well as earlier onset substance use. For example, Shin and colleagues found that child neglect has been associated with an increased risk of alcohol and cannabis use among girls, while Macaulay and colleagues found that adolescents with a history of witnessing violence were two times more likely to engage in non-medical use of prescription drugs. Other studies have found high sexual abuse rates in adolescents with a history of trauma and substance misuse, which has been significantly associated with alcohol, cigarette, and cannabis use in adolescent girls after controlling for environmental influences. Finally, physical abuse has been strongly associated with substance abuse in adolescents, including injection drug use. Methods matter. A control variable in a study is used to remove other possible alternative explanations of the result outside of the intended cause. This is typically done by removing specific factors, such as gender, age, or health status, and rerunning statistical tests to compare results. Thinking critically. Practitioner wisdom. Before engaging with the next section on trauma psychopathology, 
Reflect on past cases where a history of trauma and substance use were present. In what ways did trauma manifest in the behaviors of the client? How do you know when a specific behavior is related to trauma or if it is something else? Keep these case examples in mind as you continue to listen to this podcast and think about how the information provided might change how you understand and approach related cases. Trauma Psychopathology Understanding the impact of trauma on long-term emotional and behavioral outcomes is key when learning about adolescent substance use. Trauma psychopathology and its related theories can help practitioners to better conceptualize the intricate role trauma has on substance use behaviors and the cognitive and emotional pathways trauma takes to influence later behaviors. Following, several terms and definitions help establish the pathway of trauma through the life course. Ecological Framework Trauma symptomology does not exist in a vacuum. Children and adolescents with a history of trauma are influenced by many factors relating to their immediate environment, such as family relationships and peer and social experiences. Each realm of a person's life can have broad impacts on their psychological development, and it is important that workers consider how they contribute to an individual's experience of trauma. Likewise, it is important to account for how specific variables serve as proxy measures of the more broadly adverse environment. In other words, practitioners need to understand how a specific type of trauma, such as witnessing violence or emotional abuse, fit into the overall context of a case, including child and family preferences, case details, practitioner wisdom, and research evidence. It is also imperative that practitioners distinguish risky substance use behaviors from common experimentation with substances that is normal for this period of life. A 2011 study defined risky substance use behaviors in adolescents as frequent abuse that poses risks to the safety, health, and development of a child. There is no clinical cutoff that measures when substance use becomes problematic in adolescents, but the use of existing validated scales such as the GAINS short screener, can help practitioners develop a more accurate idea of how an individual's substance use could be affecting their life. Methods matter. When there is no direct measure for a specific phenomenon, or when researchers are looking for related indicators of something, a proxy measure or indirect measure is used. For example, the number of women sitting in the House of Commons could be a proxy measure for gender representation in political positions. A standardized scale measures specific behaviors, cognitions, moods, or attitudes by using a uniform singular rating system that can be applied in the same way across different people. The mark of a higher quality standardized scale is obtaining reliability and or validity. Reliability is a testing of whether or not a scale or assessment yields consistent information over a period of time. Validity refers to an instrument's ability to actually measure what it intends to measure. Instruments are typically tested on numerous populations over time to assess if a tool meets reliability and validity requirements. Developmental Traumatology Developmental Traumatology examines the impact of early trauma in childhood during a unique neurodevelopmental period. Trauma in childhood can cause dysregulation of the biological stress response systems, making it more difficult to cope with adverse life events 
and increasing the risk of developing affective disorders, such as depression or anxiety. As these symptoms increase over time, substances can be used as an accessible way to enhance positive affect and therefore reduce unwanted feelings associated with trauma. Researchers have found that youth with impaired affect regulation skills are at higher risk for substance misuse, underscoring the purposive substance use behavior associated with traumatic experience. Unfortunately, heavy substance use can also amplify emotional dysregulation by not using, increasing the drive to seek substances. This self-perpetuating model enforces and prolongs substance use for adolescents who do not have the necessary support and positive outlets for processing their thoughts and feelings. Self-medicating hypothesis. From trauma theory emerges the self-medicating hypothesis as an attempt to explain how the use of substances help to treat unwanted lasting symptoms of trauma. Developmental traumatology tells us that trauma creates broad disruptions in self-regulatory abilities that lead to PTSD. And the self-medicating hypothesis builds on this empirically supported theory by examining how trauma makes it hard to cope with developmentally appropriate stressors and challenges in adolescents, increasing the risk for substance misuse. Indeed, youth with trauma who misuse substances have been found to have an increased severity of emotional and behavioral problems. Authors agree that adolescents use substances as a method to cope with unwanted symptoms related to trauma, such as numbing, flashbacks, and dissociation. A 2013 study further explored the self-medicating hypothesis by following 723 youth in residential substance misuse treatment and measuring for trauma history, substance misuse, and psychological distress. Through structural equation modeling, the authors found that the effects of trauma history on psychological distress are partially mediated by substance misuse, meaning that adolescents in the sample with a history of trauma showed an increase in psychological stress when rates of substance misuse were higher. Authors also found that exposure to trauma drives a feedback loop between substance use and psychological distress, perpetuating trauma symptoms during periods of increased substance use. Studies such as this one conducted by Garland and colleagues help to illuminate trauma psychopathology and how it may manifest in adolescents in regards to substance misuse. Further empirical evidence can better establish the nuances of this relationship. In the print version of this literature review, there is a graph depicting the cycle of trauma, symptomology, and substance abuse as a model of self-medication and developmental traumatology. You can download the print version of this literature review at partcanada.org in the Particles Library. Methods matter. Structural equation modeling refers to a statistical method that tests how multiple variables contribute to a specific concept. For example, the concept of human intelligence is, on its own, not capable of being measured. Scientists instead use multiple observed variables related to the concept of intelligence, such as problem-solving skills and interpersonal communication, and form a model that can be statistically tested. Thinking critically. Case context. Examining trauma and substance use through a psychopathology lens helps to enmesh the reciprocal nature of this relationship. However, surfacing this relationship with a client can be difficult, as this concept may be fairly new to a child and or family. 
How can you engage with trauma psychopathology in practice while still seeking client responsibility of their maladaptive behaviors? What are some of the best ways to seek buy-in for trauma psychopathology-based treatment response? Accounting for gender. Literature on adolescents has started to unravel some important gender-specific differences in the experience of co-occurring trauma and substance misuse. Researchers have found that gender plays an important role in prevalence factors for trauma, as well as motives for substance use, and have theorized that the gendered socialization of emotional and behavioral problems accounts for the difference in PTSD symptomology across genders. Because gender differences in trauma and substance misuse may change a treatment's impact, it is important to discuss these findings in detail. Experiences of Trauma and Substance Misuse by Gender Studies on gender differences of adolescents with a history of trauma who are engaging in substance misuse have transformed in the last 10 years to provide a more nuanced understanding of this issue. For example, early research on this topic reported that males are at lower risk for developing a substance use disorder from trauma than women. However, we know from recent studies that there are gender-specific pathways to risky substance use that exist in adolescents, and males are still at high risk of substance misuse after experiencing trauma. The challenge of current research, then, is to test and learn more about the unique risk factors associated with gender. What is known about how gender moderates trauma symptomology and substance misuse helps form the beginning of a gender-responsive approach to children and adolescents. In terms of prevalence, females report lower traumatic experience over males, but are no less likely to develop PTSD symptomology. Females are more likely to report higher rates of sexual, physical, and emotional abuse, whereas males are more likely to witness violence. Similarly, the association between sexual abuse and substance misuse is stronger for females, with one study linking childhood sexual abuse to increased alcohol, cannabis, amphetamine and polysubstance use in females after controlling for pure substance use, family influences, and other types of maltreatment. Behavioral risk factors are equally salient in research findings. Becker and colleagues in 2012 conducted a literature review on risky behaviors related to substance use in adolescents and found that males are primarily driven to misuse substances by positive peer reinforcement whereas females tend to use substances to alleviate psychological distress as a result of trauma. Don Bacon Elklet in 2015 studied predictors of PTSD severity between genders in a sample of Danish adolescents and found that increased alcohol misuse and a lack of social supports predicted higher PTSD severity in females. For males, alcohol and drug misuse predicted PTSD severity. A similar study found that the relationship between PTSD symptomology and substance misuse was strong for females with higher rates of impulsivity, and likewise for males with a lack of emotional awareness. Such findings outline important behavioral and emotional risk factors by gender. Though findings on gender-specific pathways of trauma and substance misuse are early and require further investigation, these studies are beginning to draw upon an important but neglected aspect of traumatology. Gender-specific behavioral, emotional, and social factors require more attention in the literature and in practice if we are to harness a gender-responsive approach in the field. 
Despite discrepancies between genders, scholars agree that overall rates of co-occurring trauma and substance use do not differ significantly by gender. Gender-specific experiences of this problem, however, have yet to be fully realized. Treatment. This section will build on the theory and findings we have just discussed to support practitioners in discussing and developing treatment responses for adolescents with concurrent trauma and substance misuse. Adolescents occupy a unique developmental period of life and therefore deserve services that are equally responsive to these specific needs. Commonly, adolescents in the child welfare system are not proactive in seeking treatment independently. Moreover, they may not have adequate access to mental health and substance use resources due to living in adverse environments. Workers seeking to support adolescents with these issues should therefore adopt a person-centered approach that values individual needs and readiness for change while integrating a trauma-informed system of care. Suarez and colleagues define trauma-informed care as an individualized approach to meet the unique needs of the youth by including supportive family members and community-based sober peers and adults, while at the same time being sensitive to the effects that previous trauma might have on the current personal and social environment. Trauma-informed interventions for adolescents should therefore focus both on improving environmental stability and reducing current psychological stress. Studies consistently show positive substance use outcomes for adolescents with co-occurring PTSD and substance use, suggesting that for this population, symptoms related to trauma are the main contributor to risky substance use behaviors, or that substance use behaviors are episodic. For example, Williams and colleagues found that adolescent clients with PTSD who were in treatment for substance misuse reported lower levels of substance use frequency and higher abstinence when compared to a control group at six months post-treatment. These positive treatment outcomes may be due to the fact that substance use treatment can address symptoms of PTSD and temporarily provide relief of negative emotions. Following are several considerations for treatment, and information on empirically supported interventions will be provided. Addressing the Trauma Pathway when working with adolescents who are experiencing trauma-related symptoms and substance use, careful thought should be given to how any symptoms relating to the trauma are affecting an individual's life. Practitioners should consider where the trauma fits in the life course of an adolescent. For example, is the trauma persistent, or was it from early life? And how it may be interrupting their development. Basing treatment decisions on a developmental perspective where a practitioner examines the impact of trauma on regular patterns of cognitive and emotional growth, is important for individuals with distinct substance use and behavioral problems. Using empirically supported theories, such as the self-medication hypothesis, further aids in understanding and addressing the trauma pathway in treatment. Treatment should also focus on prevention and reduction of further traumatic events, as this population is especially at risk for experiencing ongoing trauma. Finally, any intervention that seeks to address trauma symptomology must assist in bolstering positive coping skills in adolescents. This can include teaching emotional regulation skills, cognitive behavioral techniques, refusal skills, conflict resolution, and communication, all to help alleviate and cope with trauma-related symptoms. Adolescents will show differing levels of readiness for treatment 
which must be considered when choosing interventions. Because adolescents commonly meet substance use and mental health treatment with ambiguity, a harm reduction approach is generally recommended. Risk reduction strategies such as safety planning and drug awareness education may be more appropriate for adolescents with low motivation to decrease drug use. Practitioners who consider and work with resiliency factors may be more successful in bolstering positive behavior towards substances. Resiliency factors are components of an adolescent's life that provide positive coping strategies and deter risky behaviors. Some examples include after-school programs such as sports teams or clubs, interest in creative arts, individuals who provide positive mentorship, and adolescent-specific characteristics such as optimism, being outgoing and social, and intellectual. Working with an adolescent's current motivation for change helps build early positive supports on the path to healthy substance use and trauma behaviors. Integrated Models Despite the many interventions and programs aimed at treating both PTSD and substance misuse in adolescents, the literature shows that systems of care are not good at cooperating at a service level, often acting independently and sometimes counterintuitively to each other. Unfortunately, adolescents with concurrent trauma and substance use are more likely to be involved in multiple systems of care compared to those who report either PTSD or substance misuse alone. This is especially true in child welfare, where child welfare services may only represent one provider delivering services for a child. Researchers are united in advocating for concurrent treatment programs that address both symptomology related to trauma and substance misuse at the same time. This is because both problems are interrelated, and reducing the symptoms of one may exacerbate the other. For example, reducing alcohol consumption in an adolescent with trauma experience may consequently eliminate a coping mechanism for trauma-related anxiety. The reduction of substance use, therefore, may inflate a negative emotional state that was previously quelled via drinking to intoxication. It is imperative that adolescents receive unified services that work to support multiple domains of care concurrently. Services should also provide a wide range of treatment options and levels of care that serve to meet the needs and preferences of an individual. This should include, but is not limited to, interventions that address school support, caregivers, peer relationships, and familial environments. Assessment Capturing the many layers and aspects of an individual's experience with trauma symptomology and substance use may seem overwhelming for a practitioner at first. However, it should be noted that the assessment process should not be considered a one-time event early in the intervention stage, but an ongoing activity that measures changing needs over time and documents new information as it arises. Comprehensive assessments tailored to the unique needs of adolescents should always be used, and information on family, the home environment, relationships, past trauma including maltreatment and victimization, as well as community risks, should be included. Key outcomes of an assessment should be the early identification and support for substance misuse, tailored according to substance type, including polyuse and non-medical use of prescription drugs. Practitioners can examine the interaction between substance use behavior and trauma symptomology and choose a course of action that is appropriate for each adolescent's unique set of needs. Finally, assessment should account for differences by gender, 
and ensure clients are provided information and research as part of the treatment decision-making process. Thinking critically. Client preferences. Adolescents present as situated in multiple stages of readiness for change. How do you honor the perceived ambiguity towards treatment in an adolescent while also maintaining a treatment-focused approach? Interventions. Though an intervention that specifically targets adolescents with PTSD symptomology and substance misuse has yet to be created and empirically tested, practitioners may consider other similar interventions that are used with an adult population. Following, a synopsis of related interventions that appear in the literature are provided. In the written format of this literature review, a summary chart is included for your reference. Risk Reduction Through Family Therapy Risk Reduction Through Family Therapy is a family-focused treatment that integrates principles from other empirically supported interventions, including multisystemic therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, that can be used to reduce adolescent substance use. Practitioners can use risk reduction through family therapy as both a prevention and risk reduction tool, and sessions are delivered weekly, 60 to 90 minute meetings with family members. In a trial with a small sample of 10 participants, collecting pre, post, and follow-up measures, Danielson and colleagues found that adolescents receiving this family therapy showed reductions in multiple areas, including substance use, substance use risk behavior, PTSD symptomology, and depression, which were maintained through follow-up. Methods matter. Studies with pre-, post-, and follow-up measures collect data over at least three points in time, before an intervention, pre, also referred to as baseline, immediately after an intervention, post, and at a designated time period after the intervention is complete, follow-up, six months post-intervention, for example. This allows researchers to compare changes in data over the course of an intervention and measure any lasting differences in client outcomes. Unfortunately, due to the small sample size and the absence of a randomized controlled trial, these findings are not generalizable to the wider population. Though the Danielson and colleagues' study showed promising results, Further scientific testing is required before risk reduction through family therapy can be marketed as empirically supported. Methods matter. A randomized controlled trial is a study that compares an intervention group, that is the group receiving a specific service or intervention, with a comparison or control group, that is a group that does not receive the service or intervention or receives it at a later date. In order for a study to be randomized, Assignment of study participants into either group has to be achieved through a controlled process in which every participant has the same chance at assignment into the intervention or control group. The generalizability of a study refers to the extent to which study findings can be applied to the general population being researched. Typically, only studies with a rigorous and specific sampling process are able to generalize study findings to a broader population. Addictions and Trauma Recovery Integration, Atrium. Atrium is a 12-week trauma and substance misuse program that incorporates mental, physical, and spiritual approaches to support client well-being. Practitioners integrate cognitive behavioral, relational, psychoeducational, and mindfulness components 
into each module to provide clients with tangible coping strategies for managing substance use and trauma symptoms. Atrium can be utilized in mental health and substance use treatment, as well as individual and peer group environments. Despite its widespread application, however, scientific evidence on this intervention is sparse, and practitioners should be cautious about the limited empirical evidence on its effect, especially with adolescents. Trauma-Focused Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, TFCBT. Trauma-Focused Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, TFCBT, is a clinical intervention that aims to reduce anxiety and correct cognitive distortions associated with traumatic stress, with the ultimate goal of decreasing intrusive trauma symptomology. This intervention has been applied to adults with PTSD in recovery for substance misuse with some success. For example, a 2013 study tested a 12-week partial hospital TFCBT program entitled Transcend with adults and reported clinically significant reductions in PTSD and alcohol and drug use that were maintained at both 6- and 12-month follow-ups. Given its demonstrated impact on behavior change, TFCBT has been implemented widely across many treatment programs. However, practitioners using TFCBT require extensive clinical training that is often time-consuming and expensive. It should also be noted that clinical trials of TFCBT that use an adolescent sample are less popular in the literature and therefore reduce the evidence base for this population. Seeking Safety Seeking Safety is a widely used, empirically supported program that promotes client safety while dealing with PTSD and substance use problems. Over the course of 25 sessions, topics related to triggers, boundaries and relationships, and interpersonal treatment are discussed in either group or individual sessions, and clients are engaged in psychoeducation and cognitive behavioral techniques to promote healthy symptom management. A literature review on seeking safety in 2004 found demonstrated effectiveness for male and female clients in inpatient, outpatient, residential, correctional, mental health, and counseling populations. However, one main complaint from clients was that the program was too lengthy and required a high amount of commitment. A shortened version was created, but upon evaluation did not show positive outcomes. Trauma Affect Regulation Guide for Education and Therapy, TARGET. TARGET is a gender-specific psychoeducational group treatment for women that teaches practical skills for safely processing experiences of substance use and trauma symptoms. TARGET is delivered over eight to nine sessions and can be used in a variety of group or individual environments. In a randomized clinical trial, 213 clients receiving services in three different outpatient substance misuse clinics reported significant gains in maintaining sobriety and self-efficacy after participation in TARGET. TARGET also showed low dropout rates over the course of treatment. Conclusion, a web not fully woven. Drawing on multiple domains of trauma and substance misuse in a client can feel like weaving a web between different faucets of someone's life. This web helps eliminate connections between a client's history, experience with trauma, and current behavior with substances, and often triggers new learning and self-awareness about their interrelatedness. 
It is important to mention that child welfare workers are not expected to know everything about trauma psychopathology and its clinical applications, but having grounding knowledge of the relationship between trauma and substance use can help to focus treatment efforts in the appropriate direction. Of course, knowledge on the subject of trauma and substance abuse alone does not complete the web. A practitioner will find that helping a client weave connections between multiple adverse life experiences is not a finite process, but a task that grows within consistent and appropriate therapeutic care. Exactly how this web is woven is dependent on a practitioner's ability to consider case context, client preferences, practitioner knowledge, and research evidence suitably when making decisions. This is also referred to as evidence-informed practice. On page 15 of the print version of this literature review, this web is exemplified as an EIP map, which includes the aforementioned case considerations and event diagram. Each part of the diagram intersects with the corresponding components of evidence-informed practice, indicating that careful consideration of each aspect of care, while including research evidence, supports decision-making and promotes positive outcomes for children and families. You can use the EIP map to support critical thinking about how each case component fits in with the research. Key summary points. Early trauma exposure can have lifelong impacts that may manifest as maladaptive behaviors, such as substance misuse, in adolescence. Learning to identify trauma-related behaviors in adolescence helps to unfold important precursors to substance misuse and can have a profound impact on adolescent health. Symptoms related to trauma exposure and substance misuse commonly occur concurrently and therefore require a treatment plan that addresses both issues at the same time. Researchers advocate for an integrated system to help adolescents learn to manage symptoms together in a way that addresses the developmental trauma pathway. Though interventions that address trauma and substance misuse exist, few of them have been tested on adolescents, and none have been empirically studied using a child welfare population. Practitioners should exercise caution when considering providers and programs that offer services related to trauma and substance misuse, and always consider important case contexts that will have a bearing on treatment experience and success. You have been listening to the Parkcast series, episode 41, Trauma and Substance Misuse in Adolescence, Weaving a Web. The Parkcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about and additional resources on this episode's topic, the Parkcast series, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.partcanada.org.